You're listening to the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Whether you're a dad who wants to add more tools to your fathering toolbox or a daughter who wants to connect with her dad, or even a mom who wants to support your daughter's relationship with her father, you're invited to join the conversation today. Here now is your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisper Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, and I love that you're joining me here again today because I know that if you're listening, you're a dad who wants to be a hero to your daughter and be the best dad you can be. So if you want to add more tools to your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. Well, before we begin, let me just review the grid that guides our conversation every week, which is simply on your mark, get set, go. So dad, envision yourself standing side by side other dads as you're getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach cheering you on and saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set as I'm going to fill that in with stories and stats. And go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your sons and your daughters into action this week. Well, today my guest coach is a licensed professional counselor in private practice, just like me, and her name is Gina Berkmeyer. She holds a master's degree in psychology and theology and has advanced training in trauma therapies to help people heal. Gina has walked alongside people to help them heal and find hope for nearly two decades, all rooted in the combination of a faith in God, psychology, biology, and epigenetics. As a survivor of trauma, and a cycle breaker of generational dysfunction herself, Gina's passion is to help others heal from hurts, from shame, and to break unhealthy cycles and find freedom. I love the title of her new book. Get ready for this because it's really intense and really thorough and really awesome. It's called Generations Deep, Unmasking Inherited Dysfunction and Trauma to Rewrite Our Stories Through Faith and Therapy. And when I read that name of her book, I immediately reached out and said, you have got to come to the Dad Whisperer podcast and share your story and your wisdom. If you want to connect with her and find out more about her work and her book, you can go to her website, which is Generations Deep. Dot com. Welcome, Gina Berkmeyer. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, we have planned, haven't we? And we, we have, have prepared. Planned, yes. We are ready to have this conversation. Welcome yes. to Two Shrinks, right? Right. Who had to be really <laughs> thorough on the front end, make sure we're on the same page. Yes. Because we want to give you as dads our best today in helping you look at your own stuff. So usually on the Dad Whisper podcast, it's all about you as a dad focusing, I would say, on your daughter's quote unquote stuff. But today, this is going to be a conversation that's more about you because we know you can't give out what you don't have. So on your mark today, the title of our conversation is The Benefits of Looking at Your Family History. There it is, plain and simple. Plain and, and I simple. Know, Gina, both of us were talking about this before, is that sometimes we've been taught, whether it's in a sermon or from other people, don't look back, forget what lies behind and look ahead. And today, I want you to break that down, help dads understand why that isn't really actually a good approach to dealing with your stuff or looking at your stuff. It's kind of, I think, more permission to just put it in a vault, shove it under a rug. Sure. And you and I both know that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't so, work. Just to start out, let me just ask you, we're going to get this conversation rolling. So you wrote a book, right, as I just said, the title, that looks at the impact of generational trauma. Right. 
So can you start by just saying what that means? Yes. So I would like to say let's expand it from just generational trauma to generational trauma and dysfunction. So because those can tend to be, we look at those kind of differently and sometimes we make the mistake of a hierarchy in our mind of one or the other, but I really want us to think about this more broadly. And when I talk about generational trauma and dysfunction, I talk about not necessarily, so if it was a plant and there were a whole lot of different blossoms at the top and then there's this common stem, we might think, oh, well, that's not all the same up there. But if you look at the root ball, it actually all came from the same place. Uh -huh. So sometimes this generational dysfunction and trauma might play out from one generation to the next differently, but the emotional and mental and identity impact are all the same. Oh, I love that. Okay, so how about now, take us into your story a yeah. little bit. You don't write a book with that title if you don't have right. some deep generational, <laughs> do we say crap? Oh, let's I mean, say crap. Come on, it's like you've got some yeah. stuff that's been back there or you wouldn't have written about that's this. That's right. So take us into your story a little bit. Well, and. You know, to take you back, I have to say that I didn't always recognize this generational thing until I started seeing some things in my own life and thinking about family and going, hold on a second, I see, I see the connective tissue here. So the book actually takes you back all the way to my great-grandparents when my great-grandfather came over from Italy. And he came by himself and he came to settle in the United States. And I'm going to try and do a 30,000-foot meta quick yes. review of this. So when he came, he was unmarried. And the thing at the time was to have a sponsor here in the United States. So he had someone sponsor him. The Italian community that was already settled here took him in. He actually went to live with a family. And it was a husband and a wife. There was a 20-year age difference between the two and their children. And there ended up an affair between my great-grandfather and this woman. And that became my great-grandmother. Now, her husband, like, just disappeared. So there's fatherlessness immediately for her two kids, right? So she gets married to this man who's my great-grandfather, but again, there was fatherlessness. He wasn't necessarily an, an, an uncaring man. I mean, he put a roof over their head and all of that, but emotionally completely unavailable until they had a child of their own, which was my grandmother. Then when they had my grandmother, they thought that things would be different, but now the emotional trauma is there again because he has no practice being a father. So there was overcompensation in some places and undercompensation, underfunctioning in other places. Fast forward to my grandmother, who at 14 and a half runs away with an 18-year-old man, and they go and they get married, and she ends up pregnant. My great-grandparents annul the marriage Wow. Okay, which I don't even know how they were able to do because she was pregnant, uh -huh. but they did annul the marriage and ostracized him. He went away. So he's gone. And here she is now having my mother fatherlessness for my mother mm, in right? another generation, in another generation. And if we back it up, all of this actually started with great grandma's ache of a need to be accepted and understood and loved. She did not have that in her own family. However, she found it in a young man that she loved and was supposed to marry and he died in the war. And then without even being able to process that, the family sort of marries her off to somebody who's mm. 20 years her senior. Oh my goodness. So there's all this unaddressed trauma, grief, identity, all of this in my mom yeah. and my great grandmother. Then that comes all the way down to my mom. Fast forward to my mom. My mom then at 18 gets pregnant with me and my biological father is nowhere to be found. Uh, another generation, and so here we another, go, generation. another generation. And then she gives me up for adoption, then takes me back, then gives me up again. 
Oh. So there's something called develop- at what age? Uh, all before age two. All before two. So okay. as we know, key developmental that's exactly stage. Right. Yes, for exactly attachment. Exactly right. That little tidbit of information did not come clear to me until many years later, like okay. decades later, decades. which explains so much as I look to yourself back. Right. about yourself for myself. Correct. So there's just this chronic and pervasive pattern of fatherlessness, emotional unavailability, withholding love and affection when there's anger. Mm-hmm. There were some borderline tendencies and traits exhibited. Explain that to dads. So what borderline okay, tendencies so, means. So. So I'm going to just do what they are rather uh-huh. than because borderline personality disorder is a full blown, very complicated diagnosis to make. And oftentimes it's misdiagnosed because of something called CPTSD, which is chronic post-traumatic stress disorder, which I would argue my great grandmother had and potentially my grandmother, which just had. means you have a lot of stress on the backside of trauma. That's right. To, and it, it just shows up in yes. relationships and how you try to yeah. function in life or don't function. You find yeah. more function in dysfunction, actually. Yeah, there you, you go. Right? Like yeah, unsafe, it's more normal to you. It's more normal. Yeah. Unsafe feels safe. Yeah. So so all of that came with the family. And then, then it gets to me. And I start to repeat the same patterns. Right? I have fatherlessness. I don't have a dad in my life. I had an adopted father. But he was also unavailable, emotionally unavailable, not there physically most of the Mm -hmm. time. His father had abandoned him, so he didn't really know how to parent. He was kind of terrified of it. And then my adopted mother struggled with drug and alcohol abuse, prescription drug, right? Which had been also something that my grandmother had, had struggled with. And my adopted mother was actually blood to me. She was my cousin. Oh, my goodness. So just all this overlay. It's all in the family. So, So, Dad, yeah, if you're listening going, I almost can't stay with this. It's so much There's actually a chart in the book for that very reason. There's so (laughs) much overlap of trauma and abandonment and attachment wounds and on and on it goes. Just hang in there because I want you more than anything right now. I wish you could see Gina. (laughs) There's this woman sitting across from me who is vibrant. We're here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. You can probably (laughs) hear the noise around us. But she has a light about her. Her eyes are bright. She's smiling. She's energetic. In other words, you would not look at her and say you look like someone who has trauma in your story and a generation back and a generation before that and the generation before that. So we want you to hear first and foremost, both of us, because I'm a trauma survivor as well, with generations deep stuff, crap on top of crap Mm -hmm. and bad decisions on top of bad decisions. And yet we in our generation as women are saying, we can face the pain We can look underneath the hood at the wiring that's broken down and corroded and God can do healing, but we've got to be willing to face it, talk about it, look at it, feel it and deal with it. Am I right? You're absolutely right. And what I love about what you do is I think that this is so important because women talk about this stuff, right? We just do. You're right. We, we talk do. about it a lot. We're willing to to go and do the hard work. I mean, we work. can be at a nail salon and yes. go, hey, and we're talking about it. We can be in a line at the store yes. and talk about it. Yes. We can go anywhere. And you're right. Men don't tend to do this. Yes. And I will say that it often can manifest differently too. So for us, okay, good the point. trauma comes inside, we feel it inside, and then we act out of our trauma in a way that 
is also internal, right? So we make poor relationship choices that put us in danger. We end up with addictive behaviors. That we was me, overcompensate. Yeah. Right. We overcompensate. We people please. We are, um, you know, we, we do all the things. We're overfunctioners for all the people around us. We do all of those things out of our trauma. Whereas men, the trauma comes, comes inside, but then the trauma manifests outside. So it might be more like, I'm just going to be a tough guy and I'm going to put, I'm going to pull me, pull it up by the bootstraps. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be better than anybody out there at the thing that I do. Sports or I'm work. Gonna, sports. Or, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm the man's man, right? I'm just going to do the big tough thing. And that's going to make the difference for my trauma. That's what's going to make me forget. That's what the dad tells that's what himself the dad unconsciously, tells them, so unconsciously usually, right? It's not in yes. the conscious mind. and But that is how it manifests. And it's like this chronic and pervasive sense of exhaustion. Yeah. You know, you said something that I thought was really powerful mm -hmm. in your book. I am a firm believer in the idea that what isn't repaired gets repeated. Yes. Say more about that. So this goes back to what we talked about earlier with the flower, right? So I don't, I don't, I love flowers and it's not a great guy analogy. I get that. <laughs> However, sometimes we might see things that look very differently. And when we look closer, we just kind of see this connective tissue. So maybe... Maybe you're a dad whose dad was an alcoholic, okay? That's my and, dad's story, actually. Okay, okay. So that was actually my adopted father's story. So he grew up for the little time that his dad was there till he was five with an alcoholic father. <clears throat> my dad barely touched. I mean, he didn't. Maybe a beer on a rare occasion at a wedding. Never touched alcohol, okay? However, he was a rageaholic. He was a workaholic. And he was a relationship-aholic. And this so, is your my adopted, adopted father. Dad. Okay. Yeah, so we're just going to use him as an yes. example yeah. um, because of the alcohol thing. Uh -huh. so, so for him, it didn't look identical. It wasn't, he wasn't an alcoholic, so it'd be very easy for him to say, well, I didn't repeat the cycle in my family because my dad was an alcoholic. And yet all of these ways that he has tried to find his value and cope yeah, and yeah. silence the voice of the things that have happened to him are all manifestations of that same exact trauma. And that might be a new way for you, Dad, to look at your story. Yes. You know, maybe calling it stuff feels disrespectful, and I don't mean it that way, but to look at your own history and your own story, look at patterns in your life, and maybe it will take a friend or a wife or a counselor to help you look at what you may be unconsciously doing to numb some of the pain of abandonment or attachment wounds or, you know, addiction in your right. family history that's been visited on you and you're not even realizing that you're repeating it is just we're, we're raising awareness today, aren't we, yes, Gina? Yes, really. That's, that's so key. And I think that sometimes we can look for cues like in our own life of how, okay, maybe I do need to take a deeper dive. Like what? Like distancing because you're fearful of parenting your child in a way that reflects how you were parented. So then you just distance yourself. You find you yourself- You mean like if your dad was angry and a rageaholic, yes. as you said, and you don't want to repeat that, yes. you just back off a right. lot thinking, well, then I'm not close enough to get triggered to right. go into rage. Exactly. How does a dad, let's get practical. How does a dad, if that's a generation's deep pattern, yeah. and we're talking about, right, the benefits of looking at your family history. Right. What does a dad do if that's what he's unconsciously been doing and he wants to turn it around? 
So if it's unconscious that he's been doing it, it's very hard to recognize. But I think it's more something you feel with your kids. You just kind of feel this sense of distance because we can't selectively numb, right? So if we try to numb that one part, we can't numb another part. It's it's all or nothing. Our brains are just kind of like that, you know? We can't say we're just going to feel the good emotions. It doesn't work that way. So to help yourself kind of take a look at, am I feeling some distance? Am I, am I feeling like maybe I don't know how to relate to my kiddo here or here? And then just think back to your, own, to your own life. I ask my clients, whether it's my male clients or my female clients, when we're talking about parenting things, I will ask them, tell me about some of the things that you feel were missing. Like if you could say, if I could say to you, I wish my dad would have blank more. And then we'll go through that. Oh, I wish good. my dad yeah. would have blank less. If there was one thing I wish my dad would have seen about me, it would have been what? And we go through those kinds of questions. Because so the dad listening right now, I would encourage you, press stop <laughs> and ask yourself those questions. Yes. Say them. I wish my dad would have blank I wish more. my dad would have blank more. more. I wish my dad would have blank less. less. I wish my dad knew this about me, uh -huh. and I wish my dad hadn't done this as much as he did. Uh -huh. And now they can do that with dad, but the truth is that we know that the, their mom's impact might have been just as significant right. or more so than their father's. So it's not necessarily if you're a dad who had a dad, maybe dad was great, but maybe mom had a lot of challenges. That's going to affect you as a dad as well. Right. So you can ask those questions. I wish my dad, I wish my mom, whatever that is, yeah. and then kind of sit in that. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask yourself, I wonder what my kiddo would say exactly. to answer these questions. And do I have the ability to give that to them? And you may as a dad, after you've done that series of questions with your own story, go ask with your dad, go give those yes. same questions to your daughter. And you could either give them to her in writing. Yes. You could text them to her. Yes. Or you could take her on a dad-daughter date or do it virtually if she lives somewhere else. And you could ask her those questions. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to continue this conversation with licensed professional counselor, author, Gina Berkmeyer, where we're talking about the benefits of looking at your family history. We'll be right back. Are you a dad who has ever desired a deeper connection with your daughter, but haven't known how to go about it? Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters is the very resource you need. Dr. Michelle wrote it with you dads in mind. This book will support you with scripted questions, equip you to decode your daughter, and inspire you with stories of other dads and daughters. Don't wait any longer to be the hero you want to be and that your daughter needs you to be. So, to let the talking begin, head on over to drmichellewatson.com forward slash books and order your copy today. This book will become a favorite in your fathering toolbox and will give you the answers you've been looking for. That's drmichellewatson.com forward slash books. Now, back to the Dad Whisperer podcast. Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the Dad Whisperer, here with licensed professional counselor and author Gina Berkmeyer. How about if Gina, just now that we're back from the break, if we circle back to what we were just talking about before the break about ways that a dad can help his daughter feel safe then to answer those questions that he asks her. Thank you for saying that because safety is so important in those kinds mm -hmm. of things. We're asking them to put something out there that they've 
goodness knows how long maybe they've been holding on to it, right? And it can feel very scary to put that out there. So I think the basis of the relationship has to be strong enough for their these questions to be asked. And I think that you can set your child up for success. And by child, let me just say, if your daughter is 34 and you're just now starting to work on this stuff, it's not too late. Come on. Ask I her agree. the questions. Yes. Ask her the questions. And really to say, hey, listen, I'm really trying to get better at this. I just want to be a better dad. And I need your input on what you need from me because I don't want to do it my way. I want to do what you need me oh, to do. That is so good. I love the way, Gina, that as a therapist, I think sometimes people can say, you shrinks, y'all sound alike. <laughs> You know, you put everything on the top shelf and I can't understand it, but you're making this so practical. I mean, I, I just can already imagine the gift that you are to your clients who feel safe enough then with you to unpack their stuff, right? And to look at the generational suitcase they're carrying without even knowing it into the next generation. And yes. again, we're both living examples, dads, of women that have opened up that suitcase that got handed down to us, but we don't have to keep the baggage in it. Yes, I want my suitcase to be open so that as I travel, I can put new things in it, right. new experience, and most important, not only just new experiences, but new truths to dispel the lies that have been I would say, honestly, crammed into my suitcase. I'm Amen. not enough. I'm not worthy. I have to perform to be okay. I have to numb. I mean, I've had an eating disorder. Well, I look back, I had a grandmother that had a drug addiction, a prescription drug mm -hmm. addiction, where she would go to different doctors to numb pain. I mean, she got married in a black wedding dress for crying out loud and was already pregnant. Mm -hmm. This is generations back That's stuff. right. That's right. So, of course, in my generation, I'm going to want to numb, yes. hide, just give a, a front that looks like I have it all together. Yes. And I more and more am committed to vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Dad, your daughter will not judge you if you're honest with her about the stuff that got passed down to you. Gina, do you agree or disagree with I that? I 100% agree. And let me just say this. Vulnerability invites vulnerability. Yes. So when you put that out there and you dance awkward, and because it's going to be awkward, just dance awkward. Yeah. Just do it. That is going to allow your daughter to feel like, okay, this isn't going to be fluffy or flowerly or great, but, you know, I'm just going to put it out there because dad's making this seem like, you know, he really means it. Exactly. Well, one of the things that I know you love is brain research. Yes. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys listening that say, I love that too. <laughs> yeah. So how about if you give us, you know, some of that left brain okay. side of things to kind of undergird what we're talking about today? Sure. So I think when we talk about trauma, we get a little bit confused, like, this big thing didn't happen, so I didn't have trauma. Or I wasn't physically abused or sexually abused, so I didn't have trauma, okay? And because those are obvious, we know that those are traumas. However, we know now that the brain does not respond any differently to a mental or an emotional threat or abuse than it does to a physical or sexual abuse. So basically, everything that fires in the brain in any kind of abuse fires in the brain. If you're dealing with trauma or abuse or neglect or anything like that, the same regions of the brain are impacted because we have essentially the same response from that lower, older part of the brain. And what happens is the brain kind of gets flooded with something called cortisol. It's a stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And that can impact in particular, immediately it takes our cognition and executive functioning yeah, off this of line. Frontal the part thinking, of the, the younger of the part of the brain, right? But it also damages, now it's reversible, it can be reversible, but it also damages the hippocampal regions, which are so responsible for our memory, our learning, our ability to just kind of rationally put things in a timeline, make sense of things. And so we really want to think about 
all of the impacts of things that happen. And so in the book, there is something called the ETPQ, which is an expanded trauma perspective questionnaire. And you came up with that, right? I did. It was with, with the healthy yes. trauma-informed therapists. Yes. We had talked about that, which in the book, Generations Deep, if you want to get it, guys, you can go to GinaBerkmeyer.com. But that book title, let me say it again, because it packs a punch. Why don't you say it? Generations, Generations Deep. Deep, Unmasking Inherited Dysfunction and Trauma to Rewrite Our Stories Through Faith and Therapy. Right. So if you as a dad say, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't even know where I'm at with my faith, but I know I've got some Generations yes. Deep stuff. You could start with getting Gina's book and do some of that assessment yourself. Yes, absolutely. And then you could give that to your daughter because some of what she's talking about now about hippocampal regions and frontal lobe and all these things you may say that is not my language but you might want to read it and reread it to understand that you can't you can't feel shame over something that's wired in your brain and And it's not an excuse but it's to better understand oneself isn't it well, it is. And to understand, so to your point about grandma being pregnant in the black wedding dress. Yes. Okay. So there's a baby in there that's already experienced trauma, but it's in utero and it's preverbal. So when that person grows up and has some problems and can't figure out why, it can be traced there, but it's not in a cognitive area of the brain. Right. It's not in the executive area. It's in this back area that's so much older where all of that sort of, you know, God in his infinite wisdom did not design a trauma box in the brain. Right. There's nowhere to store it. And that I believe is by design because we're not meant to endure trauma. But what happens is it kind of bounces around. It doesn't have anywhere to go. So sometimes we do need to get some help with managing that bottom up versus just the top and down. getting it out yes that's right i always right. tell my clients it's talk it out cry it out feel it out mm-hmm. you may have to pound <laughs> yes. i i have a a guy friend of mine years ago that literally got a punching bag in the basement of his house and said i have got to punch this mm-hmm. out because i don't know what to do with all of this so yes. dad if some of your history is that you're quick to anger with your daughter and your son and it's my way or the highway kind of mentality because that's what you saw literally go to the gym go physically get it out and i could go into the whole right brain yes. um, kind of bilateral stimulation of yes. right left hemisphere that's right you emdr know, okay you know what i'm just yep exactly we both yes. do eye movement desensitization yes and reprocessing and we're probably getting way more way clinical more. than you want but, but what that I, means is your eyes in therapy move back and forth to the right and to the left And did you know, dads, that's what you do in REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement, right? When you're dreaming, when you're processing. And so this is about activating that in the day rather than waiting till the night. And a way that you, if you're not into therapy, dad, you can go to the gym, you can run anything that lets your right and your left hemispheres kind of move in balance can help you with processing things that are going on in your world. Yes. Yes. And I just want to say one thing about the anger, because I think it's really important with the anger. If anger and control tend to be the places where you reflexively go in your parenting, you might want to check your fear. Okay. Because those things usually come from a place that of fear. That is a really good point. Okay, before we finish, yes. I want you to talk about something that you and I discussed before this conversation okay. about emotionally corrective experiences. Oh. Tell me what hope that gives to a dad who may say, I can't rewrite my story in Mm. my life or with my daughter. Yes. And there's a lot of baggage there. The suitcase I've handed to her. 
Talk about emotionally corrective experiences. So emotionally corrective experiences are basically something we can have right here and now in our present with someone or with God or sometimes even with different parts of ourselves that help to heal an emotional wound that we experienced earlier in life. So it's like the salve that sort of runs back in time and finds that wounded self and helps to heal it and take care of it and brings that forward in a place where we can actually be kind and gentle with ourselves and we can work from a place of healing that way. See, so again, another hope piece, Dad. Mm -hmm. You could find another older guy that you really respect that can teach you how to relate in a pseudo father-son way. Or, you know, with your daughter, you find maybe someone else that could mentor her in a way that, that you couldn't be at another you know, female figure or an aunt or maybe a coworker that you can bring into her life, but you can begin to think emotionally corrective experiences help with healing. Okay, Gina, we could talk forever here, but I want to ask you one last question because I end every show with a go step. Okay. So that dads can put their love for their daughters into action. So what would you say is one practical way that a dad, let's say, could increase his understanding of their family system, inherited traits or patterns, so that it can not only make a positive difference in his life, but even in his daughter's life as he carries that forward. So I think the questions that we talked about earlier, asking some of those questions about, I wish my dad knew. Say them again. Okay, I wish my dad did blank more. I wish my dad did less more. I wish that my, or I wish my dad did this less often, whatever yes, it might less be. less often. Mm-hmm. I wish my dad knew this about me. And I wish my dad understood that when he did this, it impacted me in this way. Yeah. And would you ever encourage a dad after he's done that to ever maybe even write a letter to his dad? Yes. He may not give it to him. That's right. He may be deceased. Yes. But, but processing all of that awareness then into some kind of a letter that's about a letting go. Yes. A releasing, a forgiving kind of letter. You yes. ever do that? All the time. All, All the, the time. time. I actually have clients that I will take through. If there was a period in life where this was really pervasive, I will have them write a letter to that version of themselves also. Okay. Like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Here's what you needed that you didn't get. Oh, you guys, you've gotten really free therapy here today <laughs> from a seasoned expert, a woman that walks her talk and has lived this. Thank you, Gina Burkmeyer, so much for being here. Thank you. For sharing your story, your wisdom, your insights, and then giving dads a template of what to do to move forward. Well, On Your Mark today has been the benefits of looking at your family history. You've heard from Gina Burkmeyer. I trust that you'll put into action the things that she's recommended today. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources there. You can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also links to my books there. And remember that you can subscribe to the Dad Whisper podcast on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, where you can listen back to any past shows and share them with your friends. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been great to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you, Dad, to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go Dads! Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. If you're looking for more resources to support the father-daughter relationship, or if you want to connect personally with Dr. Michelle, 
You can find all the information you need at drmichellewatson.com. That's drmichellewatson.com. And remember, you can listen to the Dad Whisperer podcast anytime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And while you're there, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you again on the next edition of the Dad Whisperer podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson-Canfield.